Hello everyone, I'm Jonathan Schuler, and welcome to the Fortress of Truth. Thank you so much for joining today. God loves you, and I know He has great things in store for your life. Today we're going to continue looking in the Word of God at the phrase, Verily, Verily. Like we've seen before, there's 25 of these passages where Jesus uses the phrase, Verily, Verily. And we're going to be looking at the fifth passage today. We're going to be in John chapter 5. We're going to begin with verse 16, but before we do that, let me give you a little bit of background to get you caught up to where we're going to be starting. In the first part of John 5, Jesus healed the man that was lying at the pool of Bethesda. This man had been weak and sick for 38 years at this point. That's a long time. But Jesus came to him and told him to rise up, take up his bed, and walk. The scripture says, And immediately the man was made whole and took up his bed and walked. That's something he hadn't done in 38 years. And we find that in John 5 verse 9. So this is a great miracle. This man who had been in this sick weak, diseased condition for 38 years. In a moment, when he encounters Jesus, he's instantly made whole and gets up and goes home after 38 years. But then the religious leaders found out about this and they got very upset because the day that Jesus did this was the Sabbath day. That was their holy day. That was supposed to be a day of rest where you didn't do any kind of work. And they were very legalistic about what constituted work. And they thought that because Jesus healed a man on the Sabbath day, oh my goodness, he broke the Sabbath. And they just, they got so angry, they just blew their top. And then that gets us to John 5 verse 16. And therefore did the Jews persecute Jesus and sought to slay him because he had done these things on the Sabbath day. But Jesus answered them, My father worketh hitherto, and I work. Therefore the Jews sought the more to kill him because he not only had broken the Sabbath, but said also that God was his father, making himself equal with God. Then answered Jesus and said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, the Son can do nothing of himself, but what he seeth the Father do. For what things soever he doeth, these also doeth the Son likewise. For the Father loveth the Son, and showeth him all things that he himself doeth. And he will show him greater works than these, that ye may marvel. So Jesus is saying in this passage, he's explaining why he did what he did when he did it. He says that by himself, he can do nothing. He only ever did what he saw his heavenly father do. And then in another scripture, we see that Jesus only ever said what he heard his heavenly father say. So Jesus, since he only ever did what he saw the father do, 
He perfectly demonstrated the Father's heart in everything that he said and everything that he did. So why did Jesus heal this man on the Sabbath day? Because he saw the Father do it. And this is an example to us today. Jesus lived his life here on earth as our example. Now, he suffered things and purchased our redemption so that we wouldn't have to go through the things that he suffered. But during his life, he was our example. He's the one that we should look to, the scripture says in Hebrews 12, looking unto Jesus. In other words, fixing our gaze on him, using him as our example for how we should live our life. So Jesus only ever did what he saw the Father do. We, as believers today, should be led by the Holy Spirit that's on the inside of us. When he directs us to do something, that's the path we should take. So Jesus said that he only ever did what he saw the Father do. And then in verse 20, he says, For the Father loves the Son and shows him everything that he does himself. Everything that the Father did, he showed Jesus, and then Jesus lived it out on the earth. Let's look over now at John chapter 14, beginning with verse 6. Jesus is speaking to his disciples here. Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. If ye had known me, ye should have known my Father also. And from henceforth ye know him, and have seen him. Jesus is saying that if you knew him, if you knew Jesus, then you would know the Father. And he says that from now on, you do know him and you've seen him. Why is that? Because they knew Jesus and they had seen Jesus. Verse eight, Philip saith unto him, Lord, show us the Father, and it sufficeth us. Jesus saith unto him, Have I been so long time with you, and yet hast thou not known me, Philip? He that hath seen me hath seen the Father. And how sayest thou then, Show us the Father? I think we can all relate to Philip a little bit. Sometimes the Lord shows us something that's so plain and it just goes right over our head. <laughs> Jesus said in verse 7, If you have known me, then you've known the Father. And you do know the Father from here on out, and you've seen him. And then Philip says, Show us the Father. I can just envision after Philip saying this, Jesus putting his head down in his hand and shaking his head and saying, Philip, Philip, let me go over this again. He that hath seen me hath seen the Father. This is an important key. 
If you've seen Jesus, if you can observe what Jesus did, if you can read and hear what Jesus said, then you can see the Father. Jesus is a perfect picture of the heart of God. Colossians 1:15 out of the Amplified Bible says, talking about Jesus, now he is the exact likeness of the unseen God, the visible representation of the invisible. He is the firstborn of all creation. The contemporary English version of that same verse, Colossians 1:15 says, Christ is exactly like God, who cannot be seen. He's the firstborn son, superior to all creation. Christ is exactly like God. We can't see the Father. The Father is invisible, the scripture says. However, God knew that it would be very difficult to relate to someone that we couldn't see, that we didn't have a representation of. So when Jesus came to earth, he was the exact image of God the Father. In fact, it says that in Hebrews 3, that Jesus is the express image of the Father. In other words, if you want to know what the Father would do or say, or what his heart is, just look at what Jesus said and did. Jesus perfectly demonstrated the Father's heart in everything that he did and everything that he said. So, since Jesus perfectly demonstrated the heart of the Father, let's take a look and see exactly what Jesus did. And as we do that, we'll get a picture of what the heart of God is. Let's look over in Acts chapter 10. In Acts 10, Peter, by the direction of the Spirit, went to the house of a man by the name of Cornelius. And the Holy Spirit gave Peter a message for Cornelius, and Peter began to witness to him, to share Christ with him. And in Acts 10, beginning with verse 36, we're going to drop down in the middle of Peter's message here. And I'm reading out of the modern English version. Acts 10, beginning with verse 36. The word which he sent to the children of Israel, preaching peace through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. The word which you know that was proclaimed throughout all Judea, beginning from Galilee after the baptism which John preached. And here's what the word is. Verse 38. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. Everywhere Jesus went, he did good. That's the heart of God, going around doing good. Everywhere God shows up, goodness shows up. God is good. And Psalm 119 says, the psalmist speaking to the Lord, he says, Lord, you are good 
and you only ever do good. Then notice this. Among the good that Jesus did, he healed those who were sick. Now this is talking about physical sickness. If we read through the gospel accounts, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, we find numerous occasions of Jesus physically healing people. In fact, even in Matthew 8, Jesus healed a whole group of people, and the scripture gives us a, a little bit of backstory to this and says he did this so that it would be fulfilled what Isaiah wrote in Isaiah 53, who himself bore our sicknesses and carried our pains. So Jesus went around healing people. Physical healing followed him everywhere he went. In fact, one small summation of a portion of Jesus' ministry in the scriptures, it says Jesus went about teaching, preaching, and healing all who were sick. That's a summary of that section of Jesus' ministry. Teaching, preaching, and healing. In fact, Jesus said himself in Luke 4 that among the things he, the, he was anointed to do, the Father had anointed him to do and sent him to do, was to heal those who were sick. So the heart of God is for us to be well and whole in every area of our lives, spiritually, in our soul, and in our body. God made provision through Jesus for us to be whole spiritually, to be restored, to become in right fellowship with God. He also made provision for us to be whole and well in our soul. That's our mind, our will, and our emotions. Isaiah 53 also says, the chastisement of our peace was upon Jesus. The chastisement, the punishment that purchased our peace was put, was put on Jesus so that we could experience the peace of God. And Jesus also purchased our redemption from physical sickness, natural diseases. Jesus went about everywhere he went, doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil. Everyone that Jesus healed, it says, was oppressed of the devil. In Luke, there's one account of Jesus healing a woman who was bowed over. She couldn't, she couldn't raise up her, herself. She was bent over. Her back was deformed. And Jesus healed her and she was made straight and she glorified God. And again, it actually happened just like in John 5. It happened on the Sabbath day and the religious leaders got upset at Jesus again. And Jesus said, Ought not this woman, whom Satan has bound these 18 years, 
Should she not be loosed on the Sabbath day? She had been 18 years in that condition, and Jesus said that Satan was the one who had bound her. But Jesus came to set her free. And he came and he set us free as well. This is the heart of God for all of his children. He wants all of his children to be well, to be whole in every area of our lives, in our spirit, in our soul, and in our body. So we can see the heart of God demonstrated through Jesus in this way. Let's look over now at 1 John chapter 3. We're continuing to explore what the heart of God is as revealed in the life of Jesus. 1 John chapter 3 and verse 8. He that committeth sin is of the devil, for the devil sinneth from the beginning. For this purpose the Son of God was manifested, that he might destroy the works of the devil. Because of Adam's sin, we had all been born into a lineage of sin. We've seen this in previous lessons when Jesus was speaking about how we must be born again. The way we were first born was into a line of sin. There was nothing we could do about it. We were born that way. There was nothing we could do on our own to change it. As I said, we were born into it. But Jesus came to the earth as the Son of God manifested in the flesh. And his mission was to destroy the works of the devil. Let's look at this in the Amplified Bible. I'm going to read the latter part of the verse here, 1 John 3, 8. The reason the Son of God was made manifest, visible, was to undo, destroy, loosen, and dissolve the works the devil has done. So Jesus' mission was to undo, to destroy, and to dissolve everything Satan had done and to loose us from the prison that the enemy held us in. So what is the heart of God? The heart of God toward us is that we would not be bound by the enemy in any area of our life. In fact, the Greek word translated destroy in the King James, where it says that he might destroy the works of the devil, that Greek word literally means to break up. Jesus came in order to break up the works of the devil. The enemy had us bound. He had us in prison because of how we were born. Like we've seen, we were born into a lineage of sin. We were born into captivity. And the enemy had us bound. But Jesus came in order to break up those bonds, those chains that bound us, and to loose us from the prison that we had found ourselves in. 
Now let's look further at this. John chapter 10 and verse 10. This is Jesus speaking here, and he says, The thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. In this verse, we find a dividing line, a very clear distinction between the works of the thief, who is the enemy, Satan, the devil, between his works and the works of Jesus. Satan only ever comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. So if something is stealing from you, if it's killing you, or if it's causing destruction in your life, then you don't have to wonder where it came from. You know it came from the enemy. And something else you know about it, Jesus redeemed us from it. So if you have a situation coming against you and it's stealing something from you, if it's killing something in your life or if it's even trying to kill you or your family or if it's causing destruction in your life, then you know it's from the enemy. And James 4 says that as we submit to God and we resist the devil, he will flee from us. Then Jesus says, I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. So even though the enemy comes to try and steal, kill, and destroy in our life, Jesus redeemed us from that destruction, from that stealing, from that killing. Psalm 103 says that the Lord redeems our life from destruction. Psalm 34 says that even though we may face many afflictions, the Lord delivers us out of them all. Jesus perfectly demonstrated the heart of the Father, and He came to give us life. He says, I am come that they might have life, and that they might have it more abundantly. Now, the Greek word translated life in this verse, it literally means life as God has it. This is what Jesus purchased for us. This is what he came to give us. And he came and redeemed us so that we could live out life as God has it. Now, what does this look like? What does life as God has it mean? What does it even look like? I asked the Lord this question a while back, and he led me to Psalm 34 and a certain passage in there. And we're going to look at that. Psalm 34, beginning with verse 8. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusteth in him. Oh, fear the Lord, ye his saints, for there is no want to them that fear him. The young lions do lack and suffer hunger, but they that seek the Lord shall not want any good thing. This 
the Lord showed me, is a picture of life as God has it. There is no want to them that fear God. They that seek the Lord shall not want any good thing. If we're respecting the Lord, honoring Him, and seeking Him, then we're not going to lack for any good thing. And that is what living life as God has it looks like. Psalm 23 says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Another version says, The Lord is my shepherd, I have everything I need. It says in 2 Peter 1 that God has given us everything that pertains to life and godliness in Christ. In other words, everything we need to live life here on the earth as well as to live a life pleasing God, we have it in Christ. Philippians 4.19 says, My God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. All our needs are supplied in Christ. All of our needs, everything that we need for life and godliness is found in Christ. And we already have it. We have been given it in Jesus. Because we've been born again, because we accepted the Lord and made Jesus the Lord of our life, we have been given all of these things. Ephesians 1 tells us that we are blessed with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. This is the heart of God that we would live our life not lacking any good thing in our spirit, in our soul, or in our body. This is what Jesus demonstrated. And he lived his life and he walked out his ministry on the earth doing good, healing all that were oppressed of the devil, undoing, breaking up, and destroying the works of the enemy. And ultimately, he died on the cross and rose again, purchasing our redemption so that we could live life as God has it. So what is the heart of God for us? It is to live this life as God has it, not lacking any good thing. And that is what Jesus purchased for us. Praise God. Well, I hope you enjoyed the podcast today. Be sure to subscribe and follow us so that you never miss an episode of The Fortress of Truth. And I encourage you, share this with your friends and your family. Let other people know about it. And I hope you join us again next time as we continue seeing what the Lord has for us in His Word. God bless you, and have a blessed, prosperous, victorious day. In Jesus' name.